Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking Killing Me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. Thank you guys for listening. Welcome back. So, in the next couple of months, we're going to be planning a panel episode. And we want to know from you guys, out of all the past guests, who would you like to hear chatted up together? Yeah. Do we want to talk about the topic or just leave it at that? Mm-hmm. We're just leaving it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all we've got for you this week. This week, we have Anna Catley. She's an editor. And amazing. Here we go. Hi, I'm Anna Catley, and I'm a film editor in Toronto. Yeah, but Victoria is like a big city. It's just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just a boring big city. People say that about Vancouver, though. You know? Boring? I mean, it is a little boring. Uh, Compared to Toronto. If you you come from Toronto and you go to Vancouver, you'll be really, like, thrilled by the mountains and the ocean. But then, like, if you have to live there, it's like... Wears off. Yeah, especially if you... Like, I'm not a huge nature person, so... I find it very interesting that... Did you ever go back to Vancouver to work after school? No. Okay. No, I didn't even try. <laughs> so my partner's also an editor. Really? And he went out to Vancouver to do work because he thought he, it's what he needed and, like, wanted the change. Oh, and, yeah. like, I don't know, a year, eight months later, it was, like, <laughs> yep. out. Yeah. Because he was just, like, there's nothing happening there's here. Not, well, the thing is that people think that Vancouver has like stuff happening. They lie about it, isn't it? Because yeah. Because it's right next to L.A. Well, no, but it's because it's, like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not totally lie because it's like Vancouver is still Hollywood North. It's where all the production is. But that's just the thing. If you're an editor, there's no post-production happening. Right. Because they're in the same time zone as L.A. It's just like you might as well just like work with L.A. Whereas out here, I feel like there's fully fledged like Canadian productions and they mm-hmm. hire editors in Canada. They're not sending edits to L.A. that's three hours behind or anything. We're keeping it here. Totally. So Vancouver, it's like... They just don't keep post around as much. Mm. Not to say there isn't post, but it's just not like substantial like here. Right. No. In my opinion. But good for him for trying. Mm. My mom keeps trying to convince me. She's like, why don't you move home? Like, here's a listing. Go work at this animation studio. I'm like, mom, not an animator. We talked about this. <laughs> anyway. Ugh, not an animator. Right. I, not I an think, animator. I think you'll have to tell your, we'll all have to tell our parents what we do for the rest of our lives. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, the podcast doesn't make sense to Dwight quite yet. (laughs) My father. The dancing is fine. My mom's a dancer. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Do you dance too? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. You have an editor on your dance podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So have you guys interviewed a lot of editors? Mm -mm. We get a lot of everything. We We haven't done an editor yet, though. Nope, we haven't. No. Oh, we first. try to we try to get a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions, but we haven't done a lot of um, production or post production people. Okay, yeah, we've had a few producers on, a couple filmmakers, but it's a lot of performance based people so far. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. you just finished working on a feature. Yeah, that's going out in Whistler, right? Yeah, it just right? had its yeah. world premiere. Just had its world premiere. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the Whistler Film Festival. It was really fun. Did you go? I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, my whole family is still yeah. in Vancouver, and so they wanted to come up and see it because, you know, I've been talking about wanting to edit a feature forever, so um, they had the opportunity to come see it, and um, yeah, my, basically my entire family was there. It was really nice. Oh. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. It had a good reception, I think. It was sold out for the world premiere, and then I had a second screening that was like uh, another full theater it was really great. Yeah, it's pretty surreal seeing it like on the big screen. Because any um, weird feelings watching your entire family watch it, or 
being there with people to like see first reactions? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of scary because I was like, I really want you guys to like this movie. Right. That's like the one thing. I'm like, and also a lot of people um, get shot in the movie. There's a lot of gore and there's like a lot of arms that get broken and like stuff like that. So it's kind of like, I wonder how they're like feeling about like all this. Right. But um, no, other than that, it was just like a lot of, I was just like really proud that they were there. Like, I was kind of like, I hope they like it. But also I'm just like, I know that they're there and watching like the edit and like, you know, seeing what I did with the edit and they're proud of the edit at least. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good feeling. How long from when you first got all the footage to when it was locked? Um, so they shot the movie. Um, when would they shoot? They shoot it, shot it in, uh, August, 2018. And I was getting footage, um, kind of as they were shooting it. And then I think we picture locked in January, 2019. So it was quite a quick turnaround, I think, for a feature with, uh, you know, two cameras and like tons of locations and tons mm-hmm. of actors. And, um, it was a pretty big undertaking. Uh, but yeah, I think it was probably about four months from start to finish. I was expecting longer. Yeah. That seemed short <laughs> for a feature. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, it kind of depends. I mean, it, it did continue on after that. Like, that's for the edit lock. So then totally. it, it does yes. go to, like, Sound, audio post audio. and, like, color and color. VFX. Yeah. Yes, yes So yes. I think it was probably, like, finally, like, complete completed, I think, maybe in April or May. It's been a while right. since I've had to think about those timelines. But, um, yeah. Um, in general, though, I feel like f- a couple months is, like... Normal, normal for an edit for a right. feature. The ones that I've I've worked on at least because um, this is my first feature that I've cut as the editor, but I've also worked on a lot as an assistant editor, mm-hmm. and it's usually been around you know four to six months. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It always astounds me how um, in film and in TV it can either take so long to shoot from the moment you shoot it to like getting it out or getting it to TV or getting it to festivals or it can take like the littlest amount of time. Like if they want something out, it'll just like get produced. Right. You know, totally. but it can also like, just like, cause it has to go through so many hands. Like you talked about, it can just take like so long. So that was a project you worked on what a year ago. Yeah. And it's finally getting its premiere now. Mm-hmm. It just like shows how long things take, you know? Yeah, totally. And <laughs> it, um, it, uh, it's funny to see it like, um, compared to like, I work on a lot of music videos as well. Right. And those are just like, they shoot it and then they want to see an assembly cut in three days. And then it has to be like, every step is like, go, go, go. Like Mm. it's always accelerated, which is why it's sometimes nice to work on music videos because then you have a product to show like, Oh no, I actually do. Like, this is my job. I edit. Like, here's Mm. what I do. I'm not just talking about this thing that I cut like a year ago. (laughs) Like finally I can prove that I actually did cut something and people can see it. But even so it had its world premiere, but it's still doing the festival circuit. So no one's really going to see it for like another maybe like year, like six months. Like, right. So working in narrative, which is what my like, you know, actual like, I guess what my career path is that I want to do is just always edit features. It's like, it's so hard to show people my work because it takes so it long. It takes so long. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I think that's why it's like a really long uh, process to become like a feature film editor because it's also just proving that you're 
doing it and can do it, Mm -hmm. but you have to show people the product. Right. And if one product, one product or project takes a year and a half to get into the hands of public, (laughs) then it, yeah, it's like really hard. Yeah. So like I've done so many shorts even in the last like few years and it's a handful of them you can stream online, but you know, quite a lot of them are still kind of like in the festival circuit. Cause the festival circuit, I think like their expiration is like two years or something. Like it has to have been completed in this time frame or right. within a year of this project. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, once, <laughs> once, if it's like uh, in the festival circuit, then I can't show it to anyone really, yeah. unless it's like a private link, but it's not public. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if they like watch it on your computer while you're there. Exactly. I'm like, I'm going to like look over your shoulder and make sure that you're not sending this to anybody. Well, yeah. Not that anybody would. It's just, it's funny. Cause it's like, don't you dare share this like low budget short film with anybody, but like they never would. And no one would really, no one cares. No one cares. Like, but, but you still have to go through like the process. It's like, yeah. I remember when we like, I think when Corinne did, um, let her out, I remember mm-hmm. like, it just being like all of our friends drunk at after parties and couldn't be like, do you want to watch my film? <laughs> like us here after party. <laughs> it's true. That's why we hadn't even cut it yet. Uh, remember we were just like hooked my computer up to the TV through an HDMI cable. And we were just like watching different shots. You're just like going through the dailies. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Basically I was like, what about this one or this one? That's so funny. At like five in the morning. Mm-hmm. That was that a was film you directed. Best. Uh, yes, directed and edited, and then she danced in it, and we choreographed it together. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's so fun. It is fun. I'm really, I really, really enjoy making dance films, and I feel, and I'm, well, after dating an editor, I'm getting, like, more and more appreciation for, like, the storytelling and the actually making of narratives and that happens in the editing room, Mm -hmm. especially with I find things that are a little bit more abstract. Mm -hmm. You can really take them in so many different directions that sometimes it's hard to make decisions. Totally. Yeah. If you have like so much you can work with, it's become so hard to like be like, cause in your, I feel like, I don't know if you guys do this, but like in my head, there's like, I always get stuck thinking there's like one perfect way to do something or like one perfect decision. And there just isn't like, that's just not going to happen. So (laughs) you kind of just have to like trust that whatever, like you're, the way exact way that you've kind of like the exact frames you've chosen is like the right thing for what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Is that, um, something that like a lot of editors feel like, have you talked to a lot of people about that or is that Um, something just, I mean, I in general just have this hang up about thinking that there's a right decision for everything. Like Mm -hmm. even like at a restaurant, I'm like, my boyfriend gets mad at me. He'll be like, just pick one. Like, there's no wrong decision. Like, you don't know that. Like, there could be a wrong decision. Yeah. What if this dish sucks? Exactly. <laughs> it was the worst one. Exactly. But I find, like, most editors feel are, like, pretty confident in there. Like, because every I feel like most editors can agree that there's, like, an internal rhythm. Like, that's what makes totally. you kind of, like, an editor. Or, like, whatever your platform is that you used to cut or, like, whatever shortcuts you use that someone else thinks are stupid or something. It doesn't matter. It's just, like whatever you're feeling, like the beats that are there. So I think like most editors would say that it, they know that there's no right decision, but they think they're making like the right choices, mm-hmm. I guess. And I ultimately end up feeling that way. But always at the beginning, I'm kind of like, there's got to be a right choice. And then I kind right. of, I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Just... Do you find that it's, maybe you have like an idea when someone talks to you about the film, the short mm-hmm. film or the music video, and then you see the footage and you don't really know how it's going to go until like partway through. Yeah. Where you're like just watching it 
and then you put two things or three things together and then all of a sudden it clicks and you have an idea and then it's just yeah. like, then it's easy. Yeah. But totally. up until that point, it's like, yeah, you kind of have to like try a few things. Like the hardest thing is just like getting things on the timeline. And yeah. then once you've got it on the timeline, you're just like starting to experiment. Like things just start flowing. Like mm-hmm. you start being like, oh, I like this, but how do I get it into this point? And that's when you like find the pieces to build, to make, to make the, I guess the, the point in the edit that you want to like, uh, achieve like, Oh, I right. want to get to this point. How do I get to that? This point, like, to yeah, the climax or to like, exactly. That big moment. It all starts kind of coming together. But like when I set up my timelines, even I always set it up with like, uh, if I'm doing like a narrative scene or like dialogue, I'll yeah. always like take the longest, most complete take first and just put it down just to have like a skeleton of like what the entire scene is. Yeah. And then I, I don't really, I rarely use like parts of that take. I mean, I, I might like intercut things, but I'll just start like building on top of that of like, okay, I don't like this line in this close up that I've chosen as my like base. So I want to be in a wide at this part. And then I just kind of like grab stuff and I start putting it down and slotting it in mm-hmm. kind of along that timeline, just cause it can be intimidating to put something down. Just like, you know, just when right. it's blank, like it's right. hard. Totally. And sometimes you don't even know what your beginning or your end is yeah, totally. until you have everything else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's such a challenge. Yeah. Especially with the amount of material like that you get right off the bat. There's, you're just like looking at files and like numbers. You're looking totally. at like three hours of footage for a five minute film. Yeah. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. Wow. Or it's like sometimes even worse with like hours of footage, for, like one music video. And you're like, oh, hours has- of footage for a music video. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause they like, especially if they're doing performance takes, like mm. they'll like do that over and over and over and over again. Right. Um, and so, like, even just picking moments of, like, what's the best performance out of all of these? Like, that's – music right. videos are so challenging in that sense because there's just so many options. Right, right, right. Yeah. But you want to keep it, like, interesting. Uh, I don't know. It's – yeah, music videos are hard. Is it easier? I mean, it's hard. But is because there's, like, that rhythm is already a part of – yeah, of what it is. Yeah, there's like a built-in like beat to cut to for sure. Whereas in narrative or like script work, it would be. I guess words? it's it's like dialogue beats, but right. it's. Mm. I mean, you. I always build the. Uh, I always build the scene before I add any like sound effects or like music. If that's kind of what you're, mm. kind of always? asking. Hmm? Always. Always. Mm. Build the scene first, and then add the music. And Interesting. Yeah, that's just how. I like to work, um, unless it's kind of, unless it's like a montage or something (laughs) in like a movie. And then I might like put down a track just to be like, okay, like I need some, some inspiration. So I'm just going to cut to this track for a little bit and see how it feels, but you can't get married to like the music you put in temp. That's the only problem. That's kind of the scary part. Um, any kind of like temp music you put in, like you put the temp in to like sell the cut, Mm -hmm. but that ultimately isn't usually going to be like the actual music they use, especially on something indie where they can't afford. It's copyright. Yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I've noticed when cutting my own stuff that it's, I find that stuff gets a lot faster with, mm-hmm. when you cut to sound. Like yeah. if I'm just cutting without sound, I kind of let things drag. Mm-hmm. And then if I have something underneath where there's, rhythm change and phrasing mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I find the edits get a lot quicker and it changes yeah. faster. Yeah. Cause you're trying to, you're trying to like marry the, like the visual to the music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, if you're doing a lot of dance videos, obviously like 
you want the, you know, the visuals to be like exciting along with the, with the music. Do you usually do like multiple takes for, or like different angles? Yes, totally. Yeah. So like you kind of like, you want to like present the dance, I guess, in like the most authentic way, but also like, it's like, you want to stay that like feeling of like watching it live, like feels different than watching on a video. So you Mm want to capture those, like those, like, I guess beats and like the like energy. Yes. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing about dance film is that you as the director or the editor really get to decide what people see. Yes. You know, you get to direct your audience in a much more heavy handed way than if it's live. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. That's what I like about it. Yeah. I love it. Like I love cutting dance sequences too, like in music videos if I get a dance sequence, it's the most fun to cut. Like, I love that. I just cut a music video for this artist called Indigo. And she had this, like, really fun dance kind of, like, breakdown in her song. And it was just, like, it was so fun and punchy. And, like, you could just, like, go to all sorts of different angles for, like, different kind of moves that uh, just to, like, accentuate certain moves. It was just, like, really fun. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of cutting music videos is doing the dance parts. If there is a dance sequence. There's not always, but right, you know, right. yeah. Also, depending on if you're like shooting dance for continuity or if you're shooting it to not mm-hmm. like work. Sorry, yes, <laughs> right. that did not come across in, in her <laughs> audio only yeah. gesture. <laughs> if you're shooting for continuity or if you're shooting for like right, not continuity, you right? Know? So, like a lot of the stuff that we have shot and worked on in dance films doesn't follow the choreographic structure. Mm. So like if we have a piece, it, you don't see it from beginning, middle, end. You see it kind of like all over the place. Okay. So the editing is like, I, I'm going to use the word experimental, but I don't know if that's, we would have the same opinion on that. Oh, experimental sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Like it's right. not like you don't need to go from one shot to another and have the motion be fluid from shot to shot. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's mm-hmm. like more like artistic, I guess. Like, yeah. I like if I put that. a black and white filter on it, it would be like, <laughs> probably not as appealing. <laughs> I, I did that for something the other day and I watched it and I was like, no, that just makes me look like I'm in film school and I'm just I, smoking cigarettes. I was going to say like, that's like the stuff I did. Like I did that to so many films that I made in like high school and like mm-hmm. university. I was like, or like, exactly. so or like, I remember in high school, I made this like film and, uh, like this, I just was like too scared to even try and record sound. So I made it like a silent film, which I feel like is the first thing you'd <laughs> like. That is such a high school thing. It was black and white and silent. I oh was my like, God. I look back now. I'm like, oh my God. Like in what universe do I think that that was like a good idea. Um, <laughs> but that's why I don't direct films anymore. <laughs> I just edit. <laughs> Did you direct films in the past? I've directed like a a few, but like they were always like university, like right. little things. My my problem is like when I direct, I'm always like I write my uh, screenplays as like the edit kind of. I'm like, and then mm. you cut to like this, and like I get too wrapped up in like how I want to see it cut right. that I never shoot the right things or I don't shoot enough or um, I just have like a very distinct idea of like what I want the editing to look like, but not really what I want the visuals of the film to be. Right. So I figured I should just be an editor cause yeah. <laughs> it's hard to do both. Yeah. It's like a different way of, um, just like seeing things. Yeah. I really admire people who can do both, but I, I do know a lot of, um, 
editors who are kind of like making transitions into being directors wow. now. Mm. Um, I think it's just because maybe like once you feel like you've had so much experience as an editor, you're like, now I can go out and I know what mistakes I've seen as an editor and I know what I think is visually interesting and like I think I can like accomplish this now. Like, right. And they usually have like so much experience and like it's true, like uh, one director will maybe have like only directed a couple of things because it takes so long to get those things off the ground whereas an editor is constantly getting projects and like maybe has worked on five short films in the span of one director directing one short film right you know what i mean so uh i think editors gain a lot of experience quickly about like what works in that process um so i see how they would think that their skills would translate really well to being a director and like a lot of times they are really amazing at it i have a lot of friends now who are doing amazing things as directors Hmm. it's pretty cool but you don't think you'll ever transition? I don't know. I'm so, I'm so firmly rooted in being an editor. I just, like, really love editing. Um, I like the idea of being a director. I just don't really know how I would even start. Mm. Every time I'm on set, I get, like, anxiety. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, should I just stand here? Like, <laughs> someone tell me if I'm in the way. <laughs> I don't know what am to I in do. The shot? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, the shot is, like, 50 meters away. I'm like, am I in it? <laughs> Yeah, I am just like a ball of anxiety on set. So it's just best if I stay in my dark edit suite. Um, <laughs> we'll see, though. Someone in my high school yearbook wrote or you know how like people get I don't know what it's called, but it's like where you get like your most likely to's. Right. This yes. is super relatives. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So someone or mine voted on by my like whole class was that I was going to win an Oscar for a direct be best director. Mm. I was like, first of all, you guys don't know me. So, like, you just know I like movies and you think directors, movies. But, like, I'm kind of, like, I'm, like, thinking about, like, wouldn't this be great if it was, like, if it they were telling me my future back then in grade 12? Yeah. I just watched, like, a, it's so funny you say that. I literally just watched, like, an interview on Seth Meyers with one of the writers. I don't want to say his name because I don't remember and I don't think I'm going to say it right. But it's, like, one of the SNL cast, new writer cast members. Mm-hmm. And that, like, his super relative was most likely to be on SNL. <laughs> And then now he's just like, like, do, do they win? Like, should they all be agents now? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Did they make this happen for him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But That's it, too funny. Yeah. Maybe my grade 12 class, they're the ones that, uh, make it happen for me. Who knows? You're super relative. Yeah. There you go. Super relative. I didn't know that's what they were called. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was yours? Most likely to be famous. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> what was yours? I don't remember. I don't think we had that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. I also don't know if ours were voted on. I feel like whoever was on the yearbook committee just like assigned them. Yeah. 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 It's probably more likely. <laughs> um, do you have a hard time? This is, um, I'm also making an assumption about how you work. So <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Do you have a hard time working for long hours or long periods of time by yourself in front of a computer? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I get like very like hyper focused and I lose track of time. Like mm-hmm. I could, I've like frequently just like started cutting something at, like nine in the morning and like looked up and it's like three o'clock. Like it's just like I don't really, once you get into it, I feel like it's just like nothing else kind of exists. Like mm-hmm. you're just like working and like you don't think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really nice having people around sometimes. Like I do have that every once in a while where um, I'll take a contract somewhere and it'll be like at a studio 
and I'll see people every day. And like, that'll be really nice. Like, Oh, I missed this. Right. But then I'm also okay with just kind of being on my own and cutting. Like you have a suite in your house. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. A little sweet, like sweet. It's, (laughs) it's a little back room, um, with a TV and like a couch and like a desk and it's good for kind of having like really chill, like edit sessions with directors. But, um, uh, other times I've had, um, my, uh, uh, I've worked with this editor, um, Kat Weber for a while. Um, and her and this other editor I work with Leah Lalek, who's also a director. Uh, we kind of like shared the studio space for a while where we kind of like every day just kind of went in and like mm-hmm. worked on different projects together and we kind of shared projects and, um, we don't really have the studio anymore, but we have still like the idea <laughs> of the group and we're still kind of working together, but we don't have like another space just yet. But Mm -hmm. if we have another space come up, then maybe we'll kind of start it up again. Right. Yeah. How are your eyes? My eyes? Oh, looking at screens the whole time. (laughs) Uh, it's hard to say. Like they're getting like a little worse every, every exam I have, but not like (laughs) so bad. Right. They're kind of like a tiny, like I'll get like my prescription tweaked, like just like, like a touch. I do have some blue light filter glasses that I use a lot. Right. Mm. I don't know if they actually help. <sighs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> and then, I like, just went through this whole process with the optometrist about oh, really? blue light. Yeah. Wait, well, they also, it just like sucks to like see the world in sepia. Like <laughs> I know that's you, what she said. <laughs> no, it's horrible because yeah. then I take off my glass. I'm like, Oh, the world is so much nicer. I, like I've been living in this yellow, like, yeah. toned world for so long. I forgot what it looked like to look at the real world. Like that's what she said. She was like, if you do anything that's like visual, like graphic design or lots of stuff like design, like interior design, like you don't get it because like everything is going to be like a little shade off. Yeah. Which is cause it's all like the yellow light is like tinting it out. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. if you were like a colorist, like you couldn't abs- like absolutely couldn't do it. Like no. I don't, for me, it's not as big a deal. But, uh, like if I'm on a low budget thing that they can't afford a colorist for, I'll do like a quick pass of color. And I do have to remember to switch to my other glasses right. that don't have the blue light filter. So <laughs> yeah, it's like really it's weird, man. Oh yeah. Color correction is also so tedious. It is it's the friggin' worst. It's so hard. People that do it for a living. I'm like, applaud. Yeah. I woke up this morning at seven to color correct a video to send off before I came here. Like it's, <laughs> oh. and it was like, it's wildly different. It was like cutting back and forth between these two takes and they're both wildly different colors. Mm-hmm. And it was just like trying to make it not completely yellow and one bluer, but also, you know, like keeping skin tones normal. It's like so hard. I just like, I would never like charge anyone for my work on it. I'm not a good colorist, but like, I'll do it if it's like, an internal video, like no one really will care too much, but like, it's like a real skill. Like I really admire people who can do that. Like it's people think it's like easy. Like, Oh, you just like put a color on it. It's like, no, it's so hard. You can't just put a filter on it because each shot is shot is different and you have to adjust every single one. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like it's not even like an entire scene is the same. It's like, no, no, like the color can change from like take from angle to angle because like the sun is different in this shot or Mm -hmm. like, Lighting is such a huge part of film that, like, I, I feel like you don't under, like, people, like, when you're in high school and you're like, I want to be a director or, like, I want to be a <laughs> editor, whatever it fucking is. I think it's like, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's light is, like, such a huge part of it. And I still don't think I understand how lighting works, to be honest with you. I don't really either, to be honest. Yeah. I, 
Like with the sun and like magic hour and then like also where you should be shooting from. Right. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Something. Shooting from no. different. Placing your lights in different places has different effects on mood. Right. And there's so many things that you can do in production that make it easier in post. Yeah. But if you don't know how to do them, then it's like a fucking nightmare, I'm assuming, for people that work yeah. in post. People love, like, saying fix it in post. It's, like, such a thing on totally. sets. And, like, I have, like, a lot of production friends, and they're always, like, I don't know, they think it's, like, a joke. They're, like, ah, fix it in post. I'm, like, no. And you're, like, fuck you. Sometimes you can't fix it in post. Like, right, or, right. you know, maybe you can fix it in post, but it's going to cost you 10 k to fix it in post. Like, right. What do you want to do? <laughs> do you want to just try and do it well on set first? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are the things that cost 10K to fix? Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, painting out things or like changing. So like, I mean, that's more of like a colorist or a, a VFX guy. But like, a, I don't know if, if you have like a sandbag in an entire scene or something. <laughs> like painting that out. out, like as like the light changes and like. All oh. these things like that, keeping that consistent, like that could be a big job. Like it wouldn't, I don't think it would cost 10 K. I don't know how. Much. I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like, uh, or, you know, like boom dips, like you got to paint all those mm. little pieces out or like I'm working on a, a series of videos right now. Uh, my friend Leah Lalek, uh, she directed, um, uh, 13 kind of little vignettes for, oh, cool this artist called Delaney Jane and I do know who that is. Actually. Oh, you do? Hmm. Because I know one of the dancers that she's working with. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah her show was last night. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go? Uh, I was supposed to go, but I couldn't cause I was actually at a screening party for this other show I worked on. Mm. So it was a very busy night. I don't normally have that many engagements. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make myself to be like a hot shot editor with so many shows to go to. But <laughs> I had the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, she, yeah, so she directed these vignettes for Delaney Jane. It was like one for each track on her album. And she, um, kind of did this like spoken word kind of, uh, um, I guess sometimes like poetic kind of, uh, a narrative thing, um, over some visuals and then a preview kind of of the track at the end of the little vignette. And they were all kind of like 30 seconds to a minute. We're still like, we're halfway through them right now. So we've still got a few more to, um, push out, but, um, you know, there's like things that you wouldn't think that you would want, like painting out like a wire for a mirror hanging, or like there's two shadows in here in this combined image. Like we need to get rid of these shadows and make it look like it's one Mm. floor. Um, or, you know, we want to darken someone's eyes in this shot. Like these are all things that like a colorist would do. And like, if you don't have a colorist, like you're just not going to get those things or the editor will have to do as much as they can in the edit. And like, I can do like some masks and some feathers and all that, but Mm -hmm. like, it's, you know, you really need to have it finalized by -hmm. someone good. Um, and we have a colorist, Craig Harris, who's out in PEI and he's been doing all of the vignettes for us. And yeah, he's pretty great. Um, but yeah, colorists, very important. (laughs) People don't usually know that. Oh, oh, OJ's meowing. That's really challenging. I didn't even know that a colorist was like a position, actually. I don't know so many things. <laughs> I don't know Learning. anything. Learning. <laughs> we love to learn. How do you become a colorist? Do you just go to school for like film editing and then you just like keep specifying? Uh, how would you go to school for a colorist? You really um, just like tedious, monotonous work. So like just so much color theory. Honestly, <laughs> the colorists that I know 
what they've done is, first of all, they kind of like download DaVinci Resolve on their own, which is like the free one to use for colorists. It's a great, I heard good. It actually is really good. No, a lot of people that use like the full DaVinci, like Resolve suite, like for professional color, like it's, it's one of the ones you use. I think Base Light's another one, but, um, it is like a professional system, but there's a free version you can use and it's really good. I use it, Mm. but, um, the people I've known who are now colorists, um, they started just downloading that practicing and then working as an assistant colorist at a post house usually. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you kind of like work your way up and you start coloring more and more things. And like, you kind of work with a professional colorist and kind of learn from them. And yeah, it's kind of like a mentoring kind of, that's the way I've seen most people Mm -hmm. do it. I'm sure you could go to school. I mean, you must have, you must be. I was just wondering if that's like something that you like, because I'm assuming like you didn't go to school for like editing. Did you go to school for film and then you like specify or did you go to school for film? Um, you can go to write. I I don't know if you can really go to school for editing right off the bat for your undergrad. I do know people who did like a production undergrad at like Humber or something and then they just tell everyone I'm the editor like give me your projects right and then you can take editing courses but um I kind of went about everything in a really roundabout way because I actually didn't go to school with I actually had no intention of being an editor to begin with I wanted to be um a film prof like or academic or a film writer um so when I left high school that was what I was going to do it was like be the film academic, I guess, because I was obsessed with film and cinema and like writing and right. resident film geek, hmm? the resident film geek. Le- yeah, the <laughs> absolutely the resident film geek, like obsessed with film. I still am, but maybe in like less of a, you know, a like dorky way. But um, yes, yeah, so I went to Queens for cinema studies um, and they have a few production programs, but uh, it's not really that extensive. Um, and uh, in my third year, kind of, I was like, I wonder, like, how I'm going to make money with this. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you, cause I wanted to still be a film critic and like, I would go to like all the festivals and like write on my blog. And like, I was like, I don't like, I love doing it, but I was like, I don't, I should probably think about another way to like add revenue to this life. And, um, at the time I had this like assignment from my experimental film class to kind of like write this essay about an experimental film, I guess. And I asked my prof if I could make a video essay instead, because those were like really hot back then. Like at that time, it was like, I don't know, 2014 or 2013. And, um, the beginning of vlogs. (laughs) So long ago. (laughs) Um, and he was like, yeah, sure. Cause he was like a really open chill guy. And so I made this video essay about, it was like comparing, uh, Walden, uh, throws Walden or using Walden to kind of unlock this film called upstream color, um, which was an experimental film. And I kind of just wrote out the essay, which I love doing. I like writing essays, but then I kind of like recorded the, the voiceover and like cut up this, the film to like show my, Mm -hmm. basically like prove my point. And I just like loved the edit process so much on that. Mm -hmm. And I posted that video and it actually got a lot of like really positive feedback and like um, was posted by a lot of places like IndieWire and wow. like, and so I was like, Oh, this actually like could be like a thing I do. And so I kind of thought maybe I would start with that. And I started making video essays and I made like one that became really popular, which was comparing Wes Anderson's films to this Japanese director, Yasushiro Ozu. And that's when I just kind of thought I was like, I love making these video essays cause it combines my love of academia and editing, but I kind of just want to keep editing as well because I just like editing. And so that's when I kind of thought maybe I need to specialize and do just editing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I asked uh, a few editors I knew who uh, were real editors in Toronto um, if they had felt that Queens had prepared them enough to be an editor. And they're like, fuck no, you need mm-hmm. to go somewhere else because Queens doesn't teach you technical skills at all. Right. So I went to Humber for a year and did the post-production program. Hmm. Yeah. What do you and use to cut? I use Premiere. Cool. Do you use Premiere? I do use Premiere. I yeah. love Premiere. Yeah, I like Premiere a lot. It's because it's, it's the one that like you can teach yourself, I guess. Like, oh my gosh, all the YouTube tutorials on yeah, how to do anything. Totally. And yeah. like the thing is like, Avid is the industry standard. Like, yes. You can't see my air quotes on this, but <laughs> I'm air quoting industry standard because that's what everyone has used since 1995 or something. Yes. But the thing is that like people who become editors now are self-taught. They start by like messing around at home mm-hmm. and they download programs. They splice things together. Um, and you can't really download Avid as like a trial. Like I'm sure you could do a trial for like a week, but like I remember the reason I started being able to edit when I was younger is because I literally had like a torrented version of like Premiere. And I was like, one day I'll pay for this because <laughs> I value this program. Yeah. But the fact that it was available to kind of like, it was easier, e- more easily accessible than Avid. Avid is so complicated to get and like you had to have a dongle to get it. Mm-hmm. So I never even got a chance to like try it out as a new editor and just be like, what is this platform? Right. So I think Adobe just being like so much more, User-friendly. Ava- yeah, user-friendly available. Mm-hmm. And I also, I pay for it now. I have a cloud subscription and I have the whole suite. I just want to... Want to let everybody know. <laughs> put that out there. <laughs> I torrented it once when I was 14 and I... Have paid for it ever since. Ever since I have paid for it. Um, well, I need to because of re- reliability. I can't be in like a session. I don't know if you remember software when you were younger, like... I don't know, like downloading Photoshop and suddenly be like, please re-enter your license key. And you have to like look up a oh license my, key. Mine did that. I, that happens with Word with me for all the time. Oh, yeah. Like Microsoft Office, it'll be like, you need a new one. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And then you have to go look it up and like try a bunch and like go to yeah. all these sketchy sites. Like, yeah. It's true. What a life. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where I was going with Programs this. are expensive. Um, Yo, yeah. Avid. Just like Avid. Is- yeah. It's, it's not as accessible. Um, to me, I think it's a great platform and it's like a great editing software. It's not as intuitive for me, but I really appreciate it as an assistant because mm. it really forces you to kind of keep your organization in check. But um, Adobe, I feel like it's just like a lot more user-friendly and like it yeah. gives people opportunity to really like try things out and mess around. Whereas Avid is so complicated right off the bat in terms of like what specific kind of media it will take and like what specific kind of mm. actions you can use. So yeah. I feel like I'm shitting on Avid a lot, but like, I mean, I <laughs> it is a great program. Lots of people do. And I've also like watched people flip between <laughs> both of them. And like, I think at our premiere is like what people like more. I think so. Yeah. I mean, at least my generation of editors, mm-hmm. you know, younger people yeah. prefer. <laughs> my generation, you know, the younger, the younger people. <laughs> Like, but really drive that point huh? <laughs> you know I'm young um but like even when I went to Humber I remember they, they taught us Avid and they were like wow. well I was I was mad at first I was like I don't want to use this I use Premiere and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to do this but they were like no you don't understand like you're not going to be an editor right off the bat you're going to have to assist someone and you're going to assist someone who's been doing this for a while who's like 45 and they've used Avid since 1996 <laughs> so you need to help them and I was like and I thought that was kind of, I got used to it. I learned it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, and it was so right because my first job 
in Toronto was assisting at a post house and I was assisting everyone in Avid and they were all, you know, late thirties, forties, fifties. And I had to work with that program and it was, they were looking for specifically for people who knew Avid and a lot of people who applied for jobs at post houses kind of don't know Avid anymore Mm. because they're not going to school or being forced to learn, learn it. Right. Um, Right. That's yeah. It's so weird. I mean, when we, the one film class I took in university (laughs) was had max in the lab. So yeah, we always final cut, uh, final cut pro. That's oh, what they teach. Isn't even that in, weird? All universities teach um, film for dance, at least, or for extra in Final Cut. Yeah. Because York does, too. York is the same thing? Mm-hmm. Queens did weird. it, too, actually. Weird. So, actually, we in our film house at Queens, my, my second year uh, was the first year we started using the edit suites, and they had Adobe Premiere. And then the next year, they switched over to Final Cut. Oh, wait, no, no. They had Final Cut 7. And that's what we cut everything on. And then they switched to Final Cut 10. And I was like, I can't do this because <clears throat> it feels like iMovie to me. Mm-hmm. And like I had just, you know, in high school, I cut an iMovie a bit. And then I was like, I never want to go back to that. Right. Like Final Cut 10 felt a little too. It did, yeah. It's because of like the brackets that are in it. Like I don't understand. It's not very precise. Um, some people swear by Final Cut 10 and say it's like the best platform out there if you just like give it a chance. Mm. I haven't. So I can't really say like one I mean, way that's there. I like cut like trailers on that. That's what I've like done yeah. for like dance stuff. Yeah, for projects. Yeah. Is it like pretty? It's it's like I found it user friendly, but I mean, it's good for someone, and that's like, someone who like has no has never used Premiere or anything right. though. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's also like um, user friendly and it's intuitive, mm-hmm. especially if you're already a Mac user. Yeah. Right. Like it kind of all it's like within that same vein of right how they all work right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i'm not a mac user and every time i open one i'm like Bleh. right <laughs> i've only ever been a mac user like ever since i was like six it's just that's the only thing i do crazy. only yeah. one i know yeah yeah same um all these studios opening up in toronto mm-hmm. like film studios yeah. does that get you excited for like the prospect of working in toronto and yeah I'm going to stay here for a while, I think. Yeah. Um, There's like so many more opportunities coming to Toronto and like things that are, you know, they're, they're actual like Canadian content or like ones that they're not just like America coming in and pretending it's New York and like leaving. There's a lot of things that are happening that are like really exciting and very authentically Canadian, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, Like the show that I just finished working on, um, I was assistant editor on it. Um, it's called New Eden and it's like a new crave show and it's like all shot in, you know, uh, on, t- um, Canada and it's like takes place in BC and it's all very like authentically Canadian. It's Wait, like what is it called again? New Eden. I do know what the show is. Oh yeah. Does it already have a season out? No, but there's trailers out now. It's dropping January 1st. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like really cool because like you know, Bell is like involved in like funding it and like making sure these like Canadian productions happen. And it's like mm-hmm. really cool content with like, you know, two like uh, women content creators, like, like who are showrunners. It's amazing. It's wow. really cool. And like directed by a woman. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all really cool. Yeah. A lot of opportunities happening. Definitely. Yeah. Universal opening and yeah. Netflix. Netflix, Netflix for and, sure. Yeah. It's yeah. super exciting. All these people coming in. It's going to um, be very different in 10 years than yeah. what it is now, I think. Totally. Crave is really exciting too, actually. It's like pretty new, but like. Crave? Yeah. I like Crave. Yeah. 
I don't know. I've heard. I mean, I well, I've heard. I know a lot of people that have canceled their craves after HBO or after Game of Thrones. No, um, within the past like couple months, just oh, because really? of, with, they've gone to Amazon Prime instead. Oh, weird. Or um, yeah, it's just not as. I don't like Amazon Prime as much. Really? I just feel like they have like they have a lot of stuff, but it's like most of it's like kind of like garbage content. It's oh, like really? Bad reality shows. Right. <laughs> but um, they have like some amazing shows too. Like Fleabag Rod's, is so good. Yeah, Fleabag is incredible. Mar- uh, Mrs. Mabel. Marvelous. Mrs. Mabel. And Mar- I want to start watching that on there. Yeah. So good. It is and good. American Gods is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, The Boys. Oh yeah, that show. I haven't Boys. watched that one. The yet. Boys is shot in Toronto. See, I just, I still have all these platforms. Like, I subscribe to pretty much every streaming platform there is. So. Yeah, Disney Plus. <gasps> hmm? Disney Plus? I, yeah, I have Disney Plus because I'm, <laughs> watch, I'm obsessed with Star Wars. So I watch, ah. I'm watching The Mandalorian. I'm kind of keep thinking, like, maybe I'll cancel it after The Mandalorian's done. But they'll just have something else that will roll that's right in for you. It's of like even, even with Crave, I was like, I'm going to cancel my Crave after Game of Thrones is done. And then they came out right with Chernobyl, like right yeah. when Game I of Thrones know. finished. I know. That's true. That's the only show that I feel like I'm missing because I don't have Crave. Chernobyl's so, so good. Yeah. But I mean, Chernobyl's, I think it's H, It's HBO. So as long as you can access HBO, you mm-hmm. have it. It's just that Crave is like the easy one to like get to HBO through. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Do you cool consider yourself a freelancer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How do you uh, negotiate that in time and sleep and finances? Um, yeah, that's a good question. That's why being an artist is killing me is because <laughs> I, I don't sleep or eat very well. Um, cause I'm just balancing everything, but I keep, I, uh, I kind of had this like uh, ebb and flow for a little while where I would take on an assistant contract because I'm in the union. So it's a DGC, mm-hmm. um, the Directors Guild of Canada. Um, so I'm in that union. So I can do union shows and get like good money for, you know, a certain amount of time on a show, but I can't really do other projects at the same time. So right. when I lock myself in, that always is like the money maker. And then I usually take off a few months to, you know, do projects that I can accept lower rates on as the editor. Cause I'm in this weird transitionary period right now where I've come up as an assistant editor and I'm making really good like jobs as an assistant editor, but I'm also starting, um, to get bigger things as an editor. But the problem is I'm starting at the bottom of the pay scale as an editor, as a freelance editor. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like yeah. heading towards the top of assistant editor, starting at the bottom of editor. And so it's trying to find the balance between like do I accept these low paying things as the editor because that's the title I want or do I need to accept this assistant thing to make money in order to do other editor jobs, I guess. Right. So it's a constant like, and sometimes I accept both at the same time and then I like want to die. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's a, it's a constant struggle, honestly. Um, like right now I'm, uh, I'm cutting a web series um, as an editor, I'm co-editing it with this other editor, Perry Voss, who's awesome. (laughs) And, um, but I'm also editing a bunch of like corporate videos on the side because those are the ones that kind of make money, um, uh, for like a shorter amount of time. Whereas like Mm -hmm. working on a narrative thing as an editor won't give, won't be as uh, much money basically at this stage in my career, at least. Right. Um, yeah, and then there's also I accept like every music video that comes my way <laughs> for some reason because I hate having a life. And music videos never have money ever. So it's like <laughs> well, here's like 300 bucks and 
cut our music video and like it may seem like oh that doesn't seem so bad just to cut one little music video but it's like a you know a couple of hours to transcode your footage and then a couple hours to organize your footage and then yeah you know a day to make your assembly and then come back and like edit that some more and kind of like eventually it's just like you've dedicated so many hours to this little thing right 20 hours later exactly and your hope is that like that relationship pays off one day and that director will do something cool and like want you back and like um, it's just like I'm finding now, especially I'm trying to figure out like what are things to say no to at this mm-hmm, stage. Mm-hmm. But everything I see, I'm like, but this could be the one. This could be the relationship that like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm obsessed with the idea of like the director, like editor relationship. Like I've like been a, I love like Thelma Schumacher. She's an editor and she's been with Scorsese since the 70s. And I just love that idea of this like collaborative thing. And I'm like. I'm Thelma. I need to find my Martin Scorsese. Like, <laughs> when is it going to happen? So I just like say yes to all the things. Yeah. Even right. if there's no money. And like, I just hope it comes one day, but I need to like, I think I'm trying to right now figure out how to like be a little more picky, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's a big challenge right now. It'll come. And I then, so. <laughs> or you'll either find a director that you forever work with, or you'll find a producer that you work with forever and you'll cut all their sizzles and you'll make all their, you know, that's true. stuff. That's true. <laughs> find a producer. Yeah. <laughs> That comes yeah. to you for everything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is hard though, as like wanting to be a feature film editor because you know, there's only, you know, when a director makes feature films, like their baby and like, they right. want to be really like precious with it. And like, it's, it's hard to make, be like, no, trust me with your movie. I can do it. Trust me. Like, mm-hmm. let's do this. When all they want to do is burn all their footage. Exactly. <laughs> we can't bring that story up again. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we do need to ask you the question Oh yeah. before we get completely off topic. <laughs> Is being an artist fucking killing you? Um, y- yes and no. Mm. Because yes, like f- on the physical plane, like I'm tired all the time and I'm like mentally exhausted, but I also really love what I do. So it's kind of, I wouldn't change it right. at this point. That's like a very, cause I remember seeing like the name of your podcast and being like, actually, I don't know if it's killing me. And I was like, no, it does kill me. And then I would go back and forth between it. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's like mildly killing me, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Yeah. I think that's like the point though. It's yeah. Just like, it's like you still want to do it. Yeah. And to like talk about why and what's killing us and like if things need to change. Yeah, definitely. Things need to change. I think people, <laughs> people need to be given more money to be artists. We need more money in Canada to like yeah. pay people. <laughs> yeah. We definitely need way more money. Um, yeah. <laughs> we need to prioritize sleep. Yeah. Honestly, like even like, uh, like, Every day I like, I, I like work like a full day and then I go home and I'm like, even if I've got like something on in the background, I'm still like doing exports mm-hmm. for somebody or sending elements to colorists or doing posting links yeah. or like I'm doing something and it's, it's cause I have like five projects in the air and they're all just like hanging like above my head at all times. Doesn't that give you anxiety? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like bonkers anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> That's my entire life. Mm-hmm. But like, I still like, I love it. And like, I guess like my... I like, I'm really, I care a lot about the work I do and I always want to do a good job. And like, that can also make me a little too like crazy about like making sure things are like perfect. Exactly. And like, I probably put too much pressure on myself, um, which can be like a good thing, but it can also be really bad. Cause sometimes things just, it's hard to tell what's worth it for all of the effort you put in. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there is constantly stuff like over my head, uh, which does cause a lot of anxiety, but like I said, like I still enjoy doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know some people who 
are trying to make the transition like out of the editing world um, to more like the producing side because it is just such a hard industry to be in. And there is an expectation for editors kind of that you're always kind of ready to go. And that's kind of like one of the reasons I like, I mean, I always wanted to be a feature film editor, but I was also, I started in advertising um, Mm. and I thought I would want to be an advertising editor. And I worked a lot in that world and I still do sometimes freelance, but it's like the expectation in that world is that you will literally kill yourself for the client, for the work. Right. You'll stay until, you know, our work hours were nine to six, but if you didn't stay until at least eight o'clock, like you were kind of seen as like lazy, you know, it's crazy, but, and you'd come in on weekends and um, always available, always available, always like super happy to do the job because there's so much money at stake in that industry. And that's like one of the reasons like, I can't do that. Like, Mm. like it's, well, first of all, because it's also, like, I don't care as much about the content of, like, advertising as I do about, like, the content of a film. Like, I might have that mentality about, like, a music video or, like, a short or something. But um, those kinds of, like, really toxic, like, ideas about how much you're supposed to work are very rampant in editing, in the editing world, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of pressure on women, especially, because you're trying to, like, keep up because there's mostly men in our industry and so like women are doing even more work because they're trying to prove that they can do it Mm -hmm. and like you know it's not always reasonable you know some people just can't do it um and it's yeah it's like really hard and they can't really like hack that like world and it's not their fault it's just like a really toxic world right Mm -hmm. yeah the expectation shouldn't be that you are trying to do that yeah, exactly. Right. So exactly. That, like people, there should be like a semblance of like, it. yeah, unless you're very like high up in, you know, the editing world, um, as a woman, uh, maybe you can like kind of have a little more leeway if you have a lot of status. Mm. And I know some people who are very like high up and like have a ton of status and a lot of clout. Um, and even they're still like really proving themselves too, like still like trying to like prove that they're like can keep up and stay the late hours and, Right. You know, you're always trying to prove that you're kind of like just as good or better than somebody else. It's everyone's trying to like outdo each other, but yeah. <laughs> Sounds competitive and exhausting. Yeah. It is competitive and exhausting, but, um, Toronto is exhausting and competitive. I feel like, you know, yeah. In general, yeah. For everybody. Yeah. I feel that for sure. It definitely is. <sighs> yeah. Thank you so much Thank for, you for coming being on. on. Thanks Yay. for having me. Thanks for holding OJ and keeping him quiet. Thanks for having yeah. OJ. I love having cat cuddles. <laughs> I miss having a cat. Aww. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Um, you can find Anna at, um, uh, you can follow me on my Instagram, which is Anna Catley, which is C A T L E Y. And also my portfolio is Anna Catley.com. Awesome. Sweet. And if you liked what you heard or if you had any questions, feel free to let us know. Email us. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere that you can find us. And go follow us. Thank you so much. Thank you all.